The Rewindables, the one you take to bed with you. The News Parade. Twenty years ago, firing ceased. Twenty years ago, a rejoicing world saw the end of its most terrible carnage. Today, people are again plagued by unsound theories, the desire for conquest. Again, the world is offered the false idea that might makes right. The tragic surrender of Austria to the German military machine commenced when the former Austrian Chancellor Kurt von Schuschnigg failed to satisfy the demands of the German Führer. Immediately following a meeting at Hitler's chalet in the Bavarian mountains, Schuschnigg, defying Hitler, said, Austria will stand or fall with a special German mission. And he added, we are a Christian state, a German state and a free state. And in this country, everyone is equal before the law. But within a few short hours, all peoples around the globe were electrified to learn that what Bismarck dreamed of but could not accomplish came to a thundering realization with Germany's lightning-like invasion of Austria. You gotta slow down, Chris. You gotta slow way down. Did you say your name was Jim or Jim? Uh, Jim, well, it's both, actually. Um, teachers, when we're growing up, you know, they used to always say, hey, you can have this one. He's a real gem. Well, good morning from Calcutta. You gotta slow way down. Women, ain't they perfect? Not all Yes, they are. They're perfect. Don't matter if they're skinny, fat, blonde, or blue. If a woman is willing to give you her love, it's the greatest gift in the world. Makes you tall, makes you smart, makes you deep shine. Boy, oh boy, women are perfect. My choice for the vice presidency is Senator Dan If you're ever lonely watching television, your troubles may soon be over. That's because finally there's a TV that talks back to you. Kind of. Interactive TV doesn't really speak, but there is a whole lot more give and take than with your average two. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. So last week we were talking about Cliff and Jenny extensively. Cliff showing up to the boarding house where she lives, picking her up for a date. Date night. Car. It's date night. Cliff really wanted to see this Cagney picture, but Jenny, it's Jenny's turn to pick the movie, and she uh, insists that they see the new Neville Sinclair film, Wings of Honor. And Christian, we cut to a black and white film in a movie theater. <laughs> Take it away. Uh, we in a Disney movie from 1991, rated PG for children, go from Cliff and Jenny getting into their car to go see a movie to... Heil Hitler giving the Nazi salute mm-hmm. full screen. Herr Hitler assures the Western powers he is not massing troops at the Czech border. Here comes the Fuhrer's latest symbol of German progress, the airship Luxembourg, beginning its American tour to promote world peace. World peace. And it is a real jarring, like, wow, this in 2023 is downright shocking to even think was allowed in a Disney movie. <laughs> um, now, I got to assume, like again, like times have changed, and I know Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and Nazi imagery was a little bit more uh, for for the better. We showed Nazis for what they are, 
evil, awful people. Yeah, and cartoon characters, basically. Cartoon evil, like the yeah. personification of evil. But still, it was shocking even rewatching this, being like, wow, whammo. There's Hitler uh, giving a salute in black and white. And we just hear uh, a voice, an old-timey voice, giving description to this video. So we don't know why yes. we're seeing this quite yet. It goes, Herr Hitler assures Western powers that he's not amassing troops at the Czech border. And now we cut wide. And where are we? We're at the movie theaters, folks. We're at the movie theaters. And to be clear, this is a newsreel yes. playing before the movie. Right. So we're seeing yes. on screen basically current events, yes. the news of the day. Yep. It's a crazy bit of foreshadowing, though, because um, if we remember uh, the end of our previous episode, the uh, last line that, that Cliff says you know, before they jump in there in his truck is, Neville Sinclair, this I gotta see. And then yes. the thing, the, the very next thing that we see is Hitler giving the Nazis salute. What are you talking about? The movie, Wings of Honor. Neville Sinclair? Uh-huh. Oh, brother. This I gotta see. Harry Hitler assures the Western powers he is not mashing troops at the Czech border. Here comes the Führer's latest symbol of German progress, the airship Luxembourg, beginning its American tour to promote world peace. World peace. You know, again, I don't th know how intentional that was. It was supposed to be like, you know, super symbolic foreshadowing, but yeah, now, I, think it, I think it works. Some listeners, I think it's important to also bring this up if it's not common knowledge. The, the Treaty of Versailles. Reel. Thank you, yeah, Christian. No, let's finally, get into it. Yes, let's get into it. What no. was going on? <laughs> the newsreel was an actual thing that happened from 1910 to 1970s. Oh, and yeah. it was actually the main form of the how people got news in a very public, widely distributed way. Mark of time. Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany today is its capital city, Berlin. Here, the casual visitor may be surprised by the air of prosperity, the well-dressed crowd, and by the abundance of rich food served in its cafes and terraces. Nowhere does the visitor see privation or hunger. Berlin's parks and playgrounds are filled with groups of plain, cheerful people who show no signs of dissatisfaction with the fascist dictatorship which controls their lives. No apparent resentment against a government whose campaign of suppression and regimentation has shocked the world's democracy. Only those who get behind the scenes know that this outward cheerfulness is the creation of Adolf Hitler's propaganda minister, Paul Joseph Goebbels. In the most concentrated propaganda campaign the world has ever known, Minister Goebbels has in five years of Nazi rule whipped 65 million people into a nation with one mind, one will, and one objective, expansion. It was a short documentary that was put before a film in the way you would get trailers, a thousand Coca-Cola ads now. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it's it, back in the day, it was the news stories and items that were topical interest cut together and packaged at the front of the film in order to share with moviegoers 
who didn't have anything beyond radio. Well, people didn't have TVs in their homes. They didn't have TV. So this was their way to get the news. And so this was actually quite common was before you saw a Cagney movie, you'd also find out what Hitler was up to over there in Germany. Today, the Goebbels' thunder is louder than ever before. For Germany is serving notice that all territory she lost in the World War must eventually be given back to her. First of all, the million square miles which once comprised her African empire. To fan the Nazi hatred of Russia, a Goebbels museum is filled with exhibits to show the horrors of communism. Though six years ago, six million Germans voted a communist ticket, every known radical, every known liberal, today is either in hiding, in prison, or dead. Still going on as pitilessly as it did five years ago is Goebbels' persecution of the Jews. Signposts at city limits bear the legend, Jews not wanted, Jews keep out. Even in parks, if Jews are allowed at all, special yellow benches are set apart, labeled for Jews. And on the Christian churches, Goebbels' propaganda machine is today bearing down savagely. For these, almost alone, are still offering resistance to the new order. And the Nazi state tolerates no rival authority over its people. And let's just be real. I mean, it was propaganda. Um, oh, it yes. Was, it was, which Cliff you were seeing, immediately sees uh, through, which I love. Yes. Yeah, you're seeing, I don't mean to say a fabrication of the news, but you're seeing the news f- presented in a way that the you know, that this company wants you to digest. That promotes yeah. Western capitalist interests. Yes, that's right. Yes. So yes. like Christian was saying, we, we hear this off-screen announcer. Herr Hitler assures the Western powers he is not mashing troops at the Czech border. Here comes the Führer's latest symbol of German progress, the airship Luxembourg, beginning its American tour to promote world peace. World peace. What he means is a peace of the world. Where the locals turned out Excuse to greet me. Captain Heinrich and his crew on the first stop of their goodwill tour. Their last goodwill tour buried half of Europe. But as rumors of war haunt the continent, Herr Hitler, Hitler, Hitler Hitler assures Western powers that he's not amassing troops at the Czech border. Now, this is also interesting because this is where the fiction of the Rocketeer directly coincides with stuff that was actually happening in the United States and where this movie takes on almost an element of wish fulfillment historical fan fiction mm. is the only way to describe it. And very much the way that Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards became yeah. uh, a wish fulfillment fantasy of historical events. This is the same example. And I, I will just, I won't go too deep into it, but just for context in non- 1938, as this film is happening in Los Angeles in real life, the military occupation of Czechoslovakia, but Nazi Germany began with Germany's annexation of the Sudetenland in 1938. Sudetenland, yes. Yeah, Sudetenland, excuse me. Meanwhile, in peace, the Germans enter Sudetenland. The barrier is raised and the cars drive in. How different his entry might have been but for the efforts of Mr. Chamberlain. And after the military occupation arrives the Führer. The soldiers have preceded him, but the welcome given to the army doesn't diminish the frenzy of Hitler's reception. He drives through the district of the Spas and stops at a rotunda to receive the greetings of Franzenberg. The town of Ega, which has been the storm center of so much agitation, accords him a huge ovation. In peace, Hitler has achieved his objects, a peace preserved by Mr. Chamberlain's intervention. 
that the lessons of that ordeal remain for the nations of the world to read, and in Britain, at any rate, air raid precautions will go ahead. And Hitler's interest in Czechoslovakia was, uh, at the time, quite economic. He knew that they were basically trying to get ready for total war. It was his four-year plan to plunge uh, all of Germany into total war and all of what Europe to create German interests spread. Uh, but he needed food. So he uh, basically was going into Czechoslovakia to take their agriculture. He wanted free real estate, folks. Free yep. real estate. Yep. Yeah, Lieben's, Lebensraum, they called it, uh, yes. German for living space, quote unquote. Um, yeah. Wait, sorry, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going well, to I was about to go on a deep dive into uh, yeah, 1930s uh, history. But Let's go back to grain production and yeah. how grain production. So, <laughs> so Hitler, uh, the announcer says, Hitler claims to be working for world peace and the sovereignty of nations. And just to prove he's a swell guy, here comes the Fuhrer's latest goodwill gesture, the mighty airship Luxembourg on a coast-to-coast friendship tour of the United States. And we see this map of the U.S. being zigzagged. And we, we have this the imagery of this giant blimp with a swastika floating Order. in the sky. Here comes the Führer's latest symbol of German progress, the airship Luxembourg, beginning its American tour to promote world peace. World peace. What he means is a peace of the world. Where the locals turned out to Excuse greet me. Captain Heinrich and his crew on the first stop of their goodwill tour. <laughs> Their last goodwill tour buried half of Europe. And its technological marvels, though filled with explosive hydrogen gas. could fly circles around that thing. The safety of passengers on transatlantic flights. After the short visit, it was into the clouds to continue a journey that will carry the Luxembourg to Chicago, St. Louis, across the Rockies, and finally to Los Angeles. Look us up, boys, when you get to Hollywood. Yes, yeah. and to be clear, the Luxembourg is not a real ship. It was made up for the Disney film, but it is absolutely based on a real thing, which many people know, the Hindenburg. And right. uh, the Hindenburg, for those who do not know, was a large uh, blimp airship that flew based on hydrogen, and it uh, is very famously uh was one of the last great airship disasters and it blew up in new jersey but the reality was is this was a german um uh propaganda tool that actually was flying in america because it did blow up in 1937 and interestingly like the map that you discussed chris the first stop in that goodwill tour is what town lakehurst Lakehurst, New Jersey, which is the actual real-life location of the Hindenburg disaster. It's starting to rain again. The rain had uh, cracked up a little bit. They backed motors with the ship, but just holding it uh, just enough to keep it from... It burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's right and it's rising. It's rising. Terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's burning and bursting into flames, and, and it's falling on the morning fast, and all the folks between us, this is terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's like 20, oh, four or 500 feet into the sky, and it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now, and the flame is crashing to the ground, not quite to the morning mass. All the humanity and all the fans is feeding around it. I told you, I can't even talk to people. The fans are out there. It's, 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 oh, I, I can't talk, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, just laying down massive smoking wreckage. 
and everybody can hardly breathe and talk and scream it. Lady, I, I, I'm sorry. Honestly, I, I can hardly breathe. I, I'm going to step inside while I cannot see it. <laughs> Charlie, that's terrible. <laughs> I can't. Uh, listen, folks, I, I'm going to have to stop for a minute because I've lost the voices. the worst thing I've ever witnessed. And again, this is where this film is fascinating. Wait, Wakehurst is in the map? On the yes. in the newsreel, yes, it's the first stop of the tour. It's Lakehurst. It's the first stop. Then they go to Washington D.C., then Chicago, then St. Louis, and it flies all across the Rockies and finally oh, to Los Angeles. Yeah, so dude, I did is, not is... even look at the map. The very first stop is Lakehurst. The ill-fated Hindenburg on her last flight sails over New York. These pictures, made from a Pathé news plane, less than four hours before the tragedy show the world's largest airship heading for Lakehurst, New Jersey. Over Newark's famous auto skyway, the airship was hailed by thousands who little dreamed it was their final glimpse of the Hindenburg. Inside the silver envelope are 16 separate gas bags, each filled with hydrogen, a highly inflammable gas. From the ground, you can see the forward control cabin from which the ship is operated. The windows along the side indicate the location of the passengers' quarters, in which many were carried to a flaming death. Approaching Lakehurst, the Hindenburg appeared a conquering giant of the skies, but she proved a puny plaything in the mighty grip of fate. It almost seemed as if fate had set the stage for the horrible tragedy, a graceful craft sailing serenely to her doom. For three hours, the dirigible circled the landing field at Lakehurst, New Jersey, dumping more water ballast than ever before in vain efforts to level off. We are on Earth 2. This is a wish fulfillment scenario that the the Hindenburg did not blow up in this world. So in this universe, yeah, because, right, of course we know the Hindenburg blew up in 1937. um, Oh, the humanity. uh, But so in this universe, the Hindenburg did not blow up. Because yep. I was thinking like, okay, so maybe this is because there wasn't, in fact, an airship, uh, a German airship after the Hindenburg, the uh, Graf Zeppelin II, which was kind of a follow up to the Hindenburg and really like the last uh, Zeppelin that, uh, that that Germany built um, and flew in that period. Um, but so in, in the universe of the Rocketeer, the Luxembourg is, in fact, the like the stand in for the, Hind- yes. the original Hindenburg that never existed and never blew it up. Is, it and, is, uh, it presumably it never up. inspired the uh, the uh, band Led Zeppelin. Yes, exactly. It did not uh, inspire any of that. And I think, um, you know, I, I do think that's where this, I, why the Rocketeer works so well is again, it's wow. this fantasy for the Lakehurst like, reference in the map of the newsreel is yeah well, I, I've watched this movie like literally like 40 times and I I did not catch that until now that's awesome yeah so uh Cliff is very clearly seen through the propaganda though because it is mentioning that it's that Germany's Fuhrer is bringing this to America as, as a to, tour to promote world peace and Cliff says world peace what he means is a piece of the world God, and I then love sh- how Cliff is just immediately calling this bullshit out for what it is. And yep. he's so loud about it that he gets shushed by a woman uh, sitting nearby in the movie theater. Huh? You shouldn't be here. What? This is private, restricted 
property. That, you are trespassing. How do I'm delivering Get pizza? I literally you don't belong here. I'm leaving right now, okay? You don't Better. have to worry. This lady's crazy. She's chasing me. What? And I'm thinking to myself, folks, this guy should have a podcast. Uh, he's yep. got opinions. <laughs> And he wants to share them with the world. Um, give this man a microphone. And then... hey, can I can I can I ask just uh, a question? Just because I'm dumb, um, and I feel like you guys have given this more thought and consideration than I have. But you're not dumb, Chris. Give yourself some credit. We're just yeah. way too absorbed with the there wrong is no things dumb on this Rocketeer tour. There is only <laughs> uh, how much how much research have you done with with respects to like American history and everything that was going on? Why why is this playing? In a movie theater, like why? Why is there a piece of German propaganda playing in in, in a movie theater? Chris, I'll tell you why. Before this film, I actually did do this research. I texted you gentlemen last night to say that I discovered something so fascinating that it knocked my socks off. Um, I'll try to be brief with it, and that was in 1930s. Uh, there was an actual collaboration between. Hollywood and Hitler. It was a pact that was unsaid. And a lot of it, like Ben said, it had a lot to do with capitalism. But what ended up happening was that the US Hollywood system in the in the early 1930s, so this is like 1930 to 1933, were aware of, of the need to globalize their films. And they put out a little film called All Quiet on the Western Front. And what happened was, is the Nazis threatened to exclude American movies from being played because All Quiet on the Western Front portrayed the collapse of Germany's World War I intentions mm. as that of cowardly. And what happened was, is Joseph Goebbels actually was working specifically uh, with other folks to prevent this film from getting out in the public. Collaboration is a word that had been used from the very beginning. No one thinks that Hollywood did business with Germany in the 1930s, except for a few film historians who might have heard about it but not really explored it. But the implications of the business are dire. The studios worked with Nazis on the movies that were screened all around the world, all the way through the 1930s. In uh, December 1930, All Quiet on the Western Front premiered in Germany, and Goebbels organized riots against the film. And this was a huge scandal at the time. And it led to the film being canceled, and everyone agreed that what the Nazis had done was actually very good, because this movie was about the German defeat in World War I, and no one in Germany wanted to hear about the German defeat. And this episode has been told a couple of times before, but the, really the most important aspect of it is that about a year after the film was banned in Germany, the head of Universal Pictures, Karl Lemley, made a trip to Germany and made a deal with the German Foreign Office that if this picture could be shown in Germany, if this picture could you know, um, reach theaters throughout the country, then he would have to make certain cuts to the movies that the Germans um, wanted him to make all around the world. So there are examples of other movies that are censored for local markets. There are many examples, but this is different. This is a Hollywood producer working with a foreign nation and actually censoring 
a movie in the version that it appears all around the world. And um, this is really the first instance of collaboration. And it sets the scene for what happens throughout the decade. The German market wasn't even a major market at this point. I mean, it was a significant market and the studios had been there for a long time by this point and they didn't want to lose their business, especially because from their perspective, Hitler might um, remain in power for a long time. And when the war started, they thought he might win the war. They didn't want to lose their business and then have to return under his conditions. So they were determined to stay there. And this is even after Confessions of a Nazi Spy, which is the first anti-Nazi film made by Warner Brothers, which is no longer doing business in Germany. And people make a lot of this film and say that this film started the war or this film is the beginning of a new policy of the studios, but it isn't. It's a B picture. It doesn't really make much of an impact. And MGM, Paramount and 20th Century Fox continue selling their films in Germany and the films do very well. After 1934, it becomes very hard for these studios to export their profits out of Germany. So what the Nazis did is they actually, after the Reichstag, where the Nazi party went from 12 seats to 107 seats in power, they prevented All Quiet in the Western Front from being shown in Germany. They banned it entirely. They created a law called Article 15, which, preve which provided Germany the power to ban anything that they deemed uh, unflattering or unpatriotic. Yeah. And what happened was is there were people in Hollywood that were very much worried about the financial impact on their films. So what they ended up doing is they recut All Quiet on the Western Front. They did one print where they recut it to be more flattering to Germany. And what ended up happening is the Germans got this, the Nazis got this, and they said – this is great. We approve it, but all cuts now need to be this cut. And the German, uh, the head of president of Universal Pictures, Carl Lemley, who's quite famous in this city because he was a Jewish man, he agreed to this reluctantly, recognizing there was a potential to keep a lucrative potential avenue for films open. But very quickly, he started to recognize that this was a mistake. and <clears throat> But they did agree to cooperate to the request, and they actually recut the film and put out a far more flattering portrayal. And at that point, it became a, a whole thing. So the, I know that's a long answer. A lot of different companies started to follow suit, though. RKO, Fox. Uh, one film, this is a true quote, um, basically an executive at RKO promised that Whenever he made a film involving Germany, he would, quote, work in close collaboration with the local consul, consul general. A Fox executive said at the time, even United Art Artists offered this close collaboration with the German government and did not punish the studio for the controversial 1930 air combat movie Hell's Angels. The Germans did not like Hell's Angels by a one Mr. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Yep. So Okay, so basically... The Germans were threatened by the way um, All Quiet on the Western Front was presenting them with respect to how they handled World War One, yep. and they were embarrassed. And so I guess as it relates, again, to this, this. propaganda being shown before this, this um, Neville Sinclair Hollywood film. was appeasing 
Nazi Germany's the rise because of Hitler. Because Hollywood wanted yeah. films in Germany. They basically. they were taking Hitler in the early, the mid 30s at his word where he was saying I'm not doing these things. Like I'm not Yeah, doing all I want is just a little bit more land in uh, Czechoslovakia and then I promise yeah. I won't uh, wage world war, world war 2. And but this uh, and, Holly, really and Hollywood executives were like we need the German viewership we yep. need a global audience so we why don't we just appease this guy we'll recut this film yes we'll the will we'll show his propaganda um you know newsreel before this neville sinclair film yeah. to present germany and the nazi party in a flattering light that we don't need to be worried about them basically yes right? yeah. yeah basically that was the takeaway was that up until we didn't get our first like anti-nazi film until the like 1940s it was Actually, an interesting fact that I did learn, and I think this is going to merit an entire bonus podcast, is uh, that Howard, uh, excuse me, uh, Mankiewicz, the author, screenwriter of the film Citizen Kane, was a very early, um, a very early observer of what Hitler was doing. (laughs) And he, in 1933, wrote a film that was never filmed called The Mad Dog of Europe, which was a direct attack on um, on what Hitler was doing. And it was so transparent that he was saying, Hitler is rising to power. This is a threat to democracy. And Hollywood shut it down. They never filmed it. Can I add a little, as long as we're bonus potting here, um, I did a little research of my own recently that I'd like to share. Um, this is from, uh, and I think it's it's it relates very much to what we're talking about here. This is from, I'm reading now uh, from an article on DisneyFanatic.com. Um, and that's a paid service this is a, <laughs> give money to this every is a, month? This is a public website, DisneyFanatic.com. Mm-hmm. You can look it up. Sure, yep. But I just wanted to, I just found something... Uh, Fairly interesting. I, I'd seen this story around, um, and and I could try to you know sort of summarize and paraphrase, but I'm just going to read directly from this article because I feel like it sums it up pretty well. In November 1938, German director Lenny Riefenstahl, Lenny Riefenstahl, you may be familiar with, came to Hollywood to sell her documentary Olympia about the 1936 Berlin Olympics. In 1934, Adolf Hitler made her the official documentarian of the Nazi Party. Hitler commissioned the movie to show off the great success that was his Olympics. Her film was in two parts and ran for over four and a half hours. The vast majority of Hollywood was against her before she even arrived. The Hollywood Anti-Nazi League took out a full-page ad saying, quote, There is no room in Hollywood for Lenny Riefenstahl. In this moment when hundreds of thousands of our brethren await certain death, close your doors to all Nazi agents. Hollywood shunned Riefenstahl with two notable exceptions. The first was gossip columnist Hedda Hopper, who attended a private film screening. Uh, Hopper worked for Hearst newspaper owned by William Randolph Hearst. In the 1930s, Hearst had many prominent fascists, including Benito Mussolini and Hitler, write columns for his papers. The other member of Hollywood's elite to to break ranks and welcome Riefenstahl was none other than Walt Disney. Disney gave her a personal tour of the Walt Disney Studios and showed her the storyboards for his upcoming film, Fantasia. Wow. Despite Talk that about warm the irony here. <laughs> yeah. Despite that Not warm welcome, Disney refused to sit for a screening of Riefenstahl's film. 
No one knows for certain why Disney invited her to his studio, but then refused to watch her movie. Perhaps he was concerned about the backlash from the rest of Hollywood. As for Riefenstahl, she returned to Nazi Germany in early 1939, bitter about her experience in America. She was the last member of Adolf Hitler's inner circle to die, passing away in 2003 at 101. That's actually crazy. Oh I didn't God. realize that. Wow. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Uh, Olympia she, was released. Where did she live? Do you know? Like, um, where, does one, where does one of Hitler's close associates live? Good Argentina? Question. Probably Argentina. Yeah, I'm going to go Honestly, ahead and a say lot Argentina. Of, a lot yeah. of folks yeah. fled to Argentina. Yeah. Um, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's Imagine actually it's 2003 and you're like, yeah, one of my best friends was Adolf Hitler. Yeah. yeah. There's like pockets of Argentina that have like German authentic food. And you're like, why? Oh, I'll tell you why. <laughs> A lot of Nazis fled there. Not great. Uh, not great, not folks. Great. But I will yeah. say, I actually don't think any of this is bonus pot because this film so transparently dumps history into the film in a way mm-hmm. that actually matters. Like America at this point in 1938 is unaware of the Nazis grand scope of their vision of how much they want to conquer the world. And also this little film throws in another little fan fiction, uh, Chekhov gun in the middle of the uh, newsreel. It explains that the Zeppelin is filled with explosive hydrogen gas, which is just yeah. ca- sprinkled in there yeah, as the, Jenny. The narrator actually says explosive. Yeah, it yeah, says explosive which, hydrogen gas, which Jenny, as that is being said, ignoring, uh, like all Americans, was ignoring the threat of this massive army. She, like everyone in the theater, is not really paying attention to how serious a threat this is. And Jenny goes, I bet you could fly circles around that thing. Yeah, your GB could fly circles around that thing. And his technological marvels, though filled with explosive (laughs) hydrogen gas. Your GB could fly circles around that thing. For the safety of passengers on transatlantic flights. Which, again, um, my God, what a incredibly perfect, angelic woman. After all the negging and, and fucking assholery that Cliff put her through earlier in their date... She's still trying to make her man happy and flatter him and flatter his ego um, yeah. because she's a good girlfriend and she's doing her best to, uh, you know, keep And the reason happy. why I also think everything we just discussed about the, the Hollywood past. You guys are hilarious. You think you can actually determine what is and is not a bonus pod? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I agree. That's how, very... How, very how long have you been doing this? Yeah, I have... By the way, this is actually bonus yeah, pod. By the way, we're yeah. just going to tell you... Actually, this is not bonus pod. Exactly, yeah, okay. Yeah. We're just, this, we're just, no, this. we're just... We're just trying to desperately plead with you. No, we're just... We're saying don't put this one... <laughs> We gotta, we gotta just point to. That's why you gotta reality. subscribe to the Patreon, folks. Yeah, you get everything, true. whether it's bonus but or not. I think this one just matters so much because the newsreel also says at the end, as we see the blimp flying over America, the newsreel says, "Look us up, boys, when you get to Hollywood." Which is like yeah. an open invitation about the Nazis being welcome in Hollywood. Yeah, like the film actually... addresses this very concept is that Hollywood was By very the way, open since to it. this is actually the bonus pod right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey guys, it's Chris. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that the Rewindables is now on Patreon. If you love what we do and love what we make and you want to help us keep this podcast independent and ad free, obviously it's just a labor of love for all of us. 
you can help us out by going over to patreon.com slash the rewindables patreon.com slash the rewindables there are three different tiers of membership each with different perks it's the simplest and easiest way to support all the movie deep dive podcasts that we create becoming a patreon gets you all sorts of perks with bonus podcasts and content about the rocketeer and i was sitting there eating a cupcake and i look up and i was like is that rosebud from citizen kane and yes it was <laughs> in Cooper's office he just has rosebud you also get access to swish fm plus which is the irreverent basketball deep dive podcast that i do with ben so if you're in a position to help head over there it's greatly felt and appreciated patreon.com slash the rewindables you sign up you'll get a private podcast feed where all the bonus content with the uh, free episodes will be delivered every week patreon.com slash the rewindables now back to the show it is crazy the 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 tone of the of the narration, like m- noting that the Los Angeles will be its final stop on its Goodwill tour of America, and then yeah, the the look us up boys is like, like you. It's not like no one knew who these people were in 1938. Like as the article that I just read from made clear, like a lot of people in Hollywood were like, "Yo, you're Nazis and you're murdering Jews by the millions." Like, or I don't know. At that point, yeah. obviously, they didn't know the extent of what was going on, but they knew enough to be like, we don't want you here. You're evil incarnate. Like, stay away. And this newsreel is like, hey, look at us up. Here we go. I like your cool Zeppelin. I'm filled with explosive gas. I'm sure that's going to be a great time. And Yeah. It may, um, may I just crazy. say I am a big fan of how this film peppers in a lot of heavy information. Yeah. Using a yeah. newsreel. Hardcore, Hardcore history is dumped on you. They use real footage. And then they put my favorite device in all of films, including with Indiana Jones, is the little like dotted map of the route that the Zeppelin's mm, going to yeah. take. We and just a good map shot. It's, it's, I, and that map is subconsciously, we have a big swastika in a Disney movie on the screen <sighs> yeah. with footage of German uh, supremacy where it's, it's sweeping really America. Wild. We're seeing like, We're seeing Germans... Power sweep from the east coast of America. Literally, the Zeppelin the is Great flying Rock. over a, the capital. I, is flying over the capital in DC in one of the shots. In the, uh, as the person that? that produces this podcast, I'm just like stressed. Like just looking at a swastika and just like it's stressful. Oh my God, yeah. like how how do how am I going to promote a podcast where we talk <laughs> about like Nazism? I mean, yeah. obviously, like we're not glorifying it or anything, but it is it is to your point, Christian. Like really. Uh, like takes your breath away like yeah. it is fucking terrifying yeah and you had i had never seen well you had never seen I, this before chris and i'm curious because no. ben and i grew up and we knew that this scene existed what was your reaction when you first saw this like what i was confused i i i, I had to watch this a few times because i a few times because i was confused as i was like wait so is this the movie is this the movie that cliff and jenny are seeing and then i realized like okay no this is this is a piece of news footage and then i was like wait but why are they talking so glowingly about Hitler? Like yeah. I thought or everything I know about history is like, that Hitler was a bad guy. Yeah. Like why, why do they seem to love Hitler? Then I was doing the math. I was like, okay, world war two hasn't started yet. So I guess the idea here is that, uh, you know, Hitler is trying to present himself as this like fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then I was like, but wait, why is a movie theater? Why does the movie why does the movies care about Hitler trying to spin himself as a nice guy but and your your backstory makes total sense Christian If I may be so bold uh the rewindables is firmly openly 
Nazis are bad. They were yes. always bad. <laughs> They're still bad. And any is... dipshit out there that doesn't understand this, open up a fucking history book. Yeah. The Nazis are garbage. And Nazis this needs suck. to be said. And like, I think what's actually really important is the confusion you felt as to like, oh, they're trying to make Hitler seem like just a simple buffoon. That did happen. And we're, we do see this today, not to get political, but like we downplay threats in their time. And mm -hmm. there's something to be said about the way that they portray the Rocketeers' rise of Hitler. It's very telling um, that people just discounted it and treated it like a joke. But yeah. oops, oops, the Nazis had some intentions in 1938. They it's did. a defense mechanism. It's a lot more comforting to go about your daily life if you yeah, just some bars convince yourself like okay like everything this guy fine. is bad he's whatever he's not going to cause that much damage and uh yeah. whatever like it's the newsreel didn't seem too concerned so i'm not going to no. be concerned either i'm going to go go about my daily life and continue also uh, watching, going to the movies and buying presents for christmas and blah blah blah. most yeah. importantly cliff comes in with two buckets of popcorn mm. a, a box of cracker jacks only one and a little soda. One tiny soda. soda. So the, the tiniest tiny soda of all soda. time. It's like a Dixie cup of soda. He did not get a drink for Jenny. No. And that is yet another sign that Cliff is a scumbag. He offered, he got two popcorns, and I give him credit for that. Uh, Although, he did get a cracker let's jack. be honest, he's probably going to eat all that popcorn himself. <laughs> can, I, can I just say one last thing? It is sort of wild. I guess this maybe speaks to how much the movie business has changed and how global audiences have, have changed. And, you know, Hollywood is now this multi-billion dollar industry. So we wouldn't just kowtow to authoritarian, you know, governments or whatever. No, we would never but, uh, d decide uh, the content of our movies based on, I don't know, like Chinese markets. No, we would never yeah. do yeah. that. No. Never do that. Never. Not anymore, folks. On this episode of China Uncensored, oh, there's nothing comic about this. Hi, welcome to China Uncensored. I'm your host, Chris Chappell. You know, my mama always said you should never talk about religion or politics over the dinner table. Well, I would add to that one more highly sensitive topic, comic books. More specifically, movie adaptations of comic books. Nothing is more certain to generate a hellstorm on internet forums than minor changes made to beloved characters, or the occasional flaming train wreck. But the most recent atrocity to befall comic bookdom was the decision to change the Ancient One, a Tibetan male sorcerer in Doctor Strange, to a white woman in the upcoming movie. The movie's creators have been lambasted for what's being called another example of Hollywood whitewashing. But earlier this month, actress Tilda Swinton, who has been cast as the Ancient One, said there were very great reasons for the changes. The greatest reason of all, it turns out, may have been money. On the Double Toasted podcast, Doctor Strange movie writer C. Robert Cargill explained why Tilda Swinton was cast as the Ancient One. And the answer is, to make sure the Chinese Communist Party doesn't ban their movie. Teach me. Well, I mean, the thing is, the thing with the Ancient One is, uh, it is Marvel's Kobayashi Maru. Hey now, I don't believe in no-win scenarios, but please, carry on. 
He originates from Tibet. So if you acknowledge that Tibet is a place and that he's Tibetan, you risk the Chinese government going, hey, you know, one of the biggest film uh, 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 watching countries in the world, we're not going to show your movie because you decided to get political. Okay, I'm pretty sure the CCP is not arguing that Tibet doesn't exist. In fact, according to state-run media, Tibetans now live a free, prosperous, and civilized life, and with the loving care and efforts of the central government. It doesn't happen. You don't see it. All right. <laughs> Sorry, what was your point going to be, Chris? Bonus, bonus pod. <laughs> yeah, we'll save it for the bonus pod. No, I was just going to say, like, imagine, you know, Ben just um, disproved my point, but I was just going to say, like, imagine, my like... Bad. Uh, no, 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 no. It's no, it's it's, a, it's, it's important. It's I very think, valuable. I think, but it's it's like it is really itself. crazy. History repeats itself if you don't pay attention. I don't know. Think of like a major blockbuster movie today being, um, you know, refilmed, like re- reshooting a scene uh, today. Like what's I don't know. What's the highest grossing movie? Top Gun, right? Like of of the last couple of years. Imagine reshooting a scene in Top Gun because they need it to be presented in Saudi Arabia or something in a certain Yeah, way. originally the, the bad guys in Top Gun Maverick was the uh, Chinese Communist Party, but then they were like, oh, yeah, we, we need to just uh, make that a, 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 vague, a vague enemy yeah. threat. We'll put it this way. If China and Taiwan were married, they're well beyond couples therapy. The latest issue, a Taiwanese flag on a jacket that's only seen for a few seconds on screen. It's a dogfight between Maverick and the Chinese Communist Party. The sequel, Top Gun Maverick, features Cruz's character wearing a bomber jacket with the Taiwanese flag. That's a big no-no for Chinese censors. In Hollywood, they refer to it as the three T's, the things you cannot talk about. Taiwan, Tibet, and Tiananmen Square. And any movie that touches any of those third rail topics is likely not going to be shown in Chinese theaters. Eric Schwartzel covers the entertainment industry for the Wall Street Journal and is the author of Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Battle for Cultural Supremacy. The China-Hollywood relationship is really heading toward a bit of a divorce. Schwartzel says it's not just Top Gun. Recently, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange were all not allowed to be shown in Chinese markets. And this has been a change because over the past decade, the Chinese market has been not only open to Hollywood, but a main source of revenue for it. Experts say it goes beyond the Taiwanese flag. Patches. American exceptionalism is really what the Red Dragon doesn't care to see. So they don't hate the film, they just take the message, which is so pro American. In 2011, China released its own version of Top Gun called Sky Fighters, a propaganda film. It imitates the original Top Gun virtually scene by scene and is often called the worst fighter jet movie of all time. So should we expect a sort of like bootleg version of the Top Gun plot a couple years from now just with an entirely Chinese national theme? Uh, Wouldn't be surprised, probably less than a couple of years. That was Professor Stanley Rosen with USC's U.S.-China Institute. He says, look out for that Skyfighter sequel. Now, during screenings of Top Gun in Taiwan, audiences reportedly cheered and clapped when their flag appeared on screen for even a few seconds. Reporting in studio, Travis Rice, Fox 11. Wow. And, and then there's some investors sort of getting involved and moving on this as well, right? Yeah. So one of the principal investors, Tencent uh, Studios, they had invested something like 10 to $15 million. And then once they kind of saw the zeitgeist of this film and how patriotic it was, they pulled out. These are the Chinese investor exactly. that had done, had done that. Wow. And it didn't have any impact on me as I signed up for the Navy the next day after seeing it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I will say this. Like, like we're talking obviously very uh, more openly about our personal opinions here. But I think what I, why this movie works still for me now is it's a rich story that's real history 
dropped into this really whimsical 40s superhero but not superhero story. It's not too preachy about it. It Obviously, its opinions of Nazis being bad is clear, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that way later in the film. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of really love this film for having the courage to take on a very grandiose subject in a PG kids movie. Like, I think that's actually kind of remarkable. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I learned about Nazis in school uh, before I saw this movie. And uh, so like this kind of gets to, I don't want to like dive into this whole uh, like can or opens whole can of worms here, but I also kind of love the fact that, you know, we're right now dissecting this, the scene of this newsreel, which is a piece of propaganda, uh, you know, broadcast to the the public in this movie theater. But like to go to a more meta level, like the film, The Rocketeer, the Walt Disney picture, The Rocketeer from 1991 is itself a piece of propaganda. Yeah, um, of course. Which like, I, I don't know, like that's just yeah, a, this is a, 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 a bigger America piece of, of it is a jingoism very, for sure. Yeah, and it's not just like oh anti-Nazi because uh, like that's pretty obvious, but it's also just the the image and the vision of America and America's past, uh, which is a reflection of its present and future. Like that it presents is just so incredibly convincing and warm and fuzzy and wholesome and makes you believe in in this thing, in this, because it is not just a, a story about, you know, uh, these two guys, Cliff and Peavy, that find a rock pack. It is very much a story of America and America's, you know, kind of destiny and, and, and role and, uh, and, you know, what we stand for and our values and, um, you know, what we fight for and what we believe in and all these things that is so incredibly intoxicating and, and convincing, um, and yeah, I, uh, you know, we, that's a much bigger, you know, grander theme than, uh, that we can kind of continue to keep coming back to. Um, but I just wanted to kind of put that little marker out there now that like we, we're, we're also watching propaganda. <laughs> yeah. And may, may yeah. I say, Ben, your sweet little headache, <laughs> lots of fun. I got a good mind to spank you and thank you for all you've done. <laughs> Oh my god. Hey, so you guys you guys are both parents and I guess your kids aren't as old as you were when you saw this film. Yeah, although I, I just think... watched this film with my six almost seven year old son just no, a couple weeks ago. You did not. Yeah. You a, did not. Didn't I tell review? you that? I thought I told you. Yeah, I yeah, you did, I guess. You loved it. Insane. Yeah, no, uh my son Teo, uh we we uh we were at my uh my parents' house uh in in uh, Connecticut uh couple weekends ago and we we were just hanging out uh and wanted to throw a movie on and i said hey do you guys want to watch the rocketeer uh and you know i didn't force it and i you know i think i, I you know i was like full disclosure you know i've watched this film quite a few times full disclosure and, daddy has a podcast yeah. <laughs> yep yep they're aware of that so they were down and my parents you know uh had seen it and loved it and stuff so they but hadn't seen it in a long time and tao had never seen it before and so I was like, all right, I think tonight's the night. And you know what? He had a blast. He loved it. Yeah. Um, and Teo turned time. to him and he said, Daddy, what are ailerons? And we're like, <laughs> yes. what are ailerons? Daddy, oh, I'll tell you. Buy me jodhpurs for Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Wait, but I, I was going to ask, though. I mean, I want to hear more about that, though. But is it fair to say, again, your kids are younger than you were when you saw this film? Yeah. But like, Christian, to your point, it's is it fair to say that like, 
movies for kids today are not uh, dealing with as adult of subject. Grappling with Nazis? I don't think so. No, there is a uh, pervasive collective fear of a lot of kids. I think that my genuine sentiment is that a lot of people in Hollywood look at kids and think they're too dumb to understand these complex problems. And that is a mistake. I think like, uh, I think kids are very observant and what I like about this film and this, this choice is it tackles a very heavy subject that obviously influenced me growing up. It, it opened my eyes to Nazis and it made me curious. like, who were these people? Who were these evil people? And I learned, my God, these are human problems. Like these were things that happened. And I actually, I credit this film for also getting me curious about history. Like, yeah, I, I really wanted to know more. That's true of Indiana Jones as well. Having the courage to tackle yeah. something that's so hard to tackle and mm-hmm. doing it in an entertaining way that sparked my curiosity. Yeah, I'll take it a step further. Kelly and I were watching something the other day. I won't say what, but we were both just, I, I think Hollywood not only underestimates how smart kids are, and and or another way of saying it, I think Hollywood not only has a problem with like treating kids like they're idiots. I think that Hollywood also has a problem treating adults, adults. like they're idiots. <laughs> yeah. They just think we're all so stupid. Oh, patronizing. And we're a bunch of pigs that just want our slop. Yeah. Yeah, and also just that we have like no ability to like think critically about things or learn things or have things not explained to us. Yeah, spoon like, fed. Spell, and, yeah. Spoon fed and yep. spelled out. Um. But yeah, I, I I find it really insane, actually, that this is <laughs> a kids' film dealing with such insane boys adult let, subject matter. Let me tell you another crazy fun fact. When I went back home uh, to my childhood home, my parents, in classic parent fashion, had tucked away things like squirrels for the winter over my entire youth, and just kind of put it aside. And then, of course, when I'm 35 years old, they're like do you want this stuff? Like we've been saving this stuff for you. And yeah. one of these things was a, an actual 1991 Rocketeer coloring book that I got as a kid no way. that I was really like, I love this film. I really mean it. I had, I obviously I love this movie, but like I had this coloring book and I hadn't colored it in because I was, I loved it so much that I didn't want to touch anything. What's wild about looking at this coloring book is it's, it's truly shocking. You open it up and there's the Rocketeer standing. Then you open it up. There's Jenny Blake. You open it up. There's like, um, the, the, the GB flying around with PV on the ground. And then the next page a full page swastika no. <laughs> on on the tail end of this blimp. So upsetting. And the rocket so and the rocketeer oh blasting the rocketeer Holy blasting shit. past. What color it. should and I make the swastika, mommy? Exactly. This was a 1991 coloring oh, book merchandise man. that was paired with the film. But again, it speaks to it, at the time. This wasn't that shocking a decision, and I think I think George Lucas actually deserves so much credit for Indiana Jones and having the courage to tackle the subject matter to the point that other studios were like, oh, people want to see this. They want to see Nazis get beat up. And God, God, we need more of this to be like, yeah, let's beat up Nazis in film again. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like comic books before Indiana Jones, you know, like Superman, like, you know, the majority of his, uh, his, you know, stories back in the 40s was Superman punching Hitler and stuff. I don't know about the majority, but I know a lot of them. 
but um but yeah the 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 choice to say like yeah we're gonna create this fictional world and these fictional characters but we're gonna ground it in the real life story of 1938 and what was going on in poland and czechoslovakia and germany um and uh yeah it's it's crazy Um, and i i do love this sequence for so many reasons i just think you know again like the reason we are at this movie theater is because cliff and jenny are on a date we've from the sequence leading up to it we've learned that jenny wants to see a neville sinclair film and he wants to see a cagney movie so like the setup to the sequence is ultimately about them on a date and he's being subjected to a man he fears is going to steal jenny he's worried that she's got a kissing scene with neville and that neville's going to steal him away but what does the screenwriter do in brilliant fashion, we never see any of the movie. We only see yeah. exposition of this historical moment that actually impacts the rest of the Rocketeer story we're about to see is that mm, the Nazis are in America and they're they're already starting their conquest. Yeah. But again, as a little foreshadow, like Cliff said, Neville Sinclair, this I gotta see. And we see a story about Nazis infiltrating America. So, yeah, keep that in mind as we unpack uh, the true nature of Nelson Sinclair. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie.